Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living. Today I'm super excited um, to go through a study that I've been looking at myself concerning deliverance. Now, deliverance simply means to be set free. Uh, set free from some some level of mental or emotional or spiritual kind of bondage that maybe we've been under, even physical bondage, and to be set free. Nothing feels better in this world, in my opinion, than freedom. So we're going to be looking at how you can receive deliverance or freedom through God's power and in turn how you can turn around to those that you love and you care for and begin to be an agent of deliverance for them as well. Listen, I tell you what, I've been I've been reading about deliverance in Acts 16 and I'm so excited to share with you today some hopefully some insights and some understanding of how God delivers us. He delivers us. And uh, he wants to use you. Everybody say me. 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 All right. He wants to use you to deliver other people as well. He's, you're part of God's plan of deliverance for other people. And so what I want to do is I just want to read this short uh, event, the story, true, true story in Acts 16, to kind of give us that that uh, backdrop, and then we're going to extract some really amazing truths out of this, and I want you to be prepared. I want you to be prepared at the end of this service to respond to what we're talking about today. In other words, God wants, he wants to deliver you, and we're going to talk about what that means, and he also wants you to care enough about other people to see them delivered as well. So let me just jump right into this. We're in Acts 16. We're going to jump all the way to verse 6. And I'm just going to read straight through this story, and then we're going to come back and, and kind of look at it carefully. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of, and I'm, not, I'm going to butcher some of these words, so forgive me, all right, of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Did you get that? The Holy Spirit prevented Paul from going into part of the, part of the country, uh, part of that, that part of the country. When he came to the border of Messiah, he tried to enter into Bithynia, but the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus, would not allow them to. So they passed on to, uh, by Messiah and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of, of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen this vision, he got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called him to preach the gospel to them. Throughout this story, you're going to see Paul is led of the Spirit of God. He's in tune with God. He's listening to God. He's following the Spirit of God. So from Troas, now it's interesting. I want you just to point this out. Do you remember who the author of, of Acts is, of this book of the Bible? The author of, of Acts is Luke, the man who wrote the book of Luke, also wrote a second book, the book of Acts. And you're going to notice as Luke writes this, he's talking about they and them. And then all of a sudden in verse 11, you notice here it says, from Troas, we put out to sea. All of a sudden, Luke has joined them. Somehow their paths met, or maybe they had planned it this way. But all of a sudden, the author of this book is with Paul and his companions. 
So we put out to, to sea and sailed straight from uh, Samothrace, and the next day they went to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, and this is where we're about to stand. Looks like they're moving around a lot, and they are, but they finally come to the city of Philippi, and we're going to spend some time on Philippi next, next week talking about the book to the Philippians, the church that he started at Philippi. We're going to talk more about that next week. So this town of Philippi, or the city of Philippi, was a Roman colony and the leading city in that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. All right, so here's Paul. He's finally landed in a place. He's going to stay there. So on the Sabbath, we went outside of the city gate to the river, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this interesting decision that Paul made to leave town during the Sabbath. He was actually looking for other Jews. That's what he was looking because there was not a there was not enough Jews in that city apparently to start a synagogue, and so the Jews had the few that were there, probably fewer than ten. Had, would leave the city, and they went out there hoping to find a place to pray. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there, possibly other Jews. We don't know for sure, but possibly other Jews who were there. And one of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. And it's interesting, there was actually some uh, tablets or something found in the ruins of Philippi, that proved that there had been some transition of, of, of people who traded purple cloth from Thyatira to Philippi, without mentioning this, this lady's name, but there's, it's historically uh, found to, to have been a, an event that occurred. So this lady was a worshiper of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I've come across people in the past that says, they say, yeah, I believe in God. Yeah, I pray to God. They don't go to church anywhere. They're not affiliated with a church. But guess what? They found God by themselves. And this lady seems to have been that kind of person, a worshiper of God. She wasn't sure who God was or, or how, to, how to get to know him. But here she runs in, and that's what happens is God brings you into the path of people that are hungry and thirsty for Jesus so that you can help them find their way closer to God. That's how we're to be. So this lady's a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And that's what's happened to each and every one of us, you and me, all of us. How did we come close to God? He opened our hearts. We were closed. We were tight. We were proud. We were, we were shut down. And God touched our hearts and, and opened us up a little bit. God is, God is desirous for God. So she responds to Paul's message. And when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. She said, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Once when we were going to that place of prayer, notice here's a second time they're looking for a place of prayer. We were met, and here's where the story gets interesting, by a female slave who had a spirit, who had a demon, if you will, by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us. And next week, I'm going to put up a picture of what Philippi probably looked at that time so that you can kind of picture what it looked like, them walking down these narrow kind of alleyways between the buildings there in Philippi. She followed them around shouting. <laughs> can you imagine? This would just be weird. 
Everywhere they went, this lady followed them, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Now, that would just be interesting. And I imagine it went through Paul's mind. This lady's telling the truth. I'm getting a lot of attention here. I'm going to be able to lead a lot of people to Jesus. So he probably let her just go on because it drew the attention that he was looking for anyways. So she kept this on many days, but finally Paul became annoyed. (laughs) He became annoyed. Wouldn't you be annoyed after a while if everywhere you went, this kooky lady is screaming and shouting who you are and what you're doing? He became annoyed and he turned around and said to the spirit. Notice he didn't say this to the lady. He had spiritual insight. He realized this lady is possessed. And he turned around and he said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. We're talking about deliverance today. Deliverance. How to be set free. I don't know about you, but I get tired of being tied down by thoughts, by emotions, by feelings that get me down. Sometimes they're depressing thoughts. Sometimes they're negative thoughts. Sometimes they're sad thoughts. Sometimes they're just oppressive thoughts. And God wants to set you free. Now, one thing we can do for sure is sometimes it's hard to look in the mirror and and self-analyze and figure out what's wrong with yourself. But you can for sure look at others and say, you know what? They need to be set free for sure. Because you can see it all over their face. You can see it the way they act and the the way they are, especially if you're close to them. You can see their moods go up and down and sideways. And you say, that man, my, my friend or my spouse or whatever, they need to be set free. We're here to talk about deliverance today because God wants you to be set free. He never wanted you to be tied down emotionally, mentally, physically, even with sickness. Sickness can tie you down, right? And so God wants to set us free. Now, how did God, here's a question for today, how did God use Paul to deliver this slave girl from this demonic possession? How did, how did God use him that way? And wouldn't you, maybe not, but I'm, I know, I'll just speak for myself. I want to be used that way. Nothing makes me happier than to see somebody set free, even at work, man. When, so, you know, I, I'll never forget this poor guy. He started working uh, at the company that I was working for, and he'd come in every single day, sometimes twice a day, just with this level of insecurity, asking me. And he asked me the same question over again. Steve, am I doing okay? I was like, yes, I'm going to change his name. I'll make up a name for him. Say it was Greg. I said, Greg, you're doing a fantastic job. Just keep doing what you're doing. He was a hard worker. He was smart, but he kept worrying that he wasn't doing a good job. This went on for 12 months. And finally, I told him, Greg, I want you to stop asking me if you're doing a good job. All right. If you're doing a bad job, I will go tell you. You see, that thought in his mind was keeping him pushed down, oppressed and and feeling like, you know what? God wants to set people free, even from stuff like that. He doesn't want you to be insecure. He doesn't want you to have a low self-esteem. He doesn't want you to think that your future stinks. All right. God wants to set you free. And the Bible tells us who the son has set free is free indeed. 
So how did God use Paul to deliver this, this slave girl? Well, first, let's talk about deliverance. Just real quick, I'm going to throw up a couple of definitions, if you will. It's release from captivity, from slavery, from oppression, and any restraint. How does that sound? Does that sound good? Wouldn't you like it if you were set free from all your worries, all your anxieties, all your concerns, all your fears? What if you were set free? Another definition says this. It's an acquittal of a prisoner by verdict of a jury. And you can imagine as you watch people on TV, even famous people who are going through a lawsuit of some sort. And the minute the, the verdict comes through and they're actually acquitted, they, they feel so free. I'm sure they go out to a good dinner. I'm sure they sleep well that night. God wants to set you free from that doom and gloom that's constantly going through maybe your mind or someone that you love. God wants to use you not only to set yourself free, but to set other people free as well. Well, here's one thing that you've got to realize. If we're talking about spiritual deliverance, emotional deliverance, you've got to realize that if you believe in God, you've got to believe in Satan. You just have to. You've got to believe there's a devil. We call him the devil. We call him the enemy. We call him Satan. We call him a jerk. You can call him whatever you want to, but the devil exists. And if you believe in the devil, if you believe in Satan, you have to believe in demons, in spirits that come to try to mess you up, to mess up your life. In fact, the, the, the purpose of Satan is found in John 10.10 in 10, all his demonic cords. He refers to him as a thief here. All right, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's, that's the devil's purpose for your life. He wants to steal from you. He wants to rob you of peace. He wants to rob your, uh, uh, your success in life, whether you're a businessman or you have a job or whatever it is, businesswoman. He wants to steal from you. He wants to, he wants to kill you. <laughs> and he'd like to torture you as well. And you've got to get to the place where that doesn't scare you anymore. All it does is make you mad and say, I am not going to let the enemy get the best of me. I'm not going to do it. I'm sick and tired of him having... Uh, the upper hand or the advantage in my life, I'm going to start winning over him. But his goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. And, and let me tell you what, if you're a Christian, you've got to believe in demons. Now, I'm not going to go under every rock and say, oh, that was a demon. Oh, that's spiritual. Oh, yeah, I hiccup. That must come from the devil. You know, or I'm not. No, no, no. It's not like that. But at the same time, you can't discount the fact of the spiritual impacting your life because it does. How do you explain your mood sometimes? Good mood, bad mood, you know? A lot of times the enemy is in there trying to, to, to give you a bad day. And you can't put up with it. you got to say, no way. No, not on my watch, Jesus. And you start using the name of Jesus. But I'm getting ahead of myself. The enemy's come here to steal, kill, and destroy your relationship with God. He's coming to try to destroy your health. He's trying to destroy your marriage. He's trying to destroy your relationship if you're a parent with your children. He's trying to destroy your financial well-being. He's trying to destroy everything in your life. And you've got to realize, in fact, what we call that is the works of the devil. <laughs> Did I make that up, the works of the devil? No, it's actually found in the Bible. It's described as the works of the devil because... Maybe the enemy has some plans and purposes, but God has some plans and purposes that 
can overcome everything that the enemy might have intended for you. It's in that same verse in John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I, Jesus, has come that we, they, might have life and live it to the full. I tell you what, whenever I, I, whenever I you know, come to the end of my life, I want to look back on my life and say, I lived a full life. I lived a fruitful life. I accomplished whatever God wanted me to accomplish from birth. I may have wasted some decades in the process, but you know what? After that wasteful time, I lived a full life. And God helped me make up for those stupid, miserable years that I wasn't serving him. You know, God wants, to leave, wants, wants you to have an abundant life, a fulfilled life, a powerful, passionate life. All right? And the devil can come try to steal, kill, and destroy. But you know what? It doesn't matter because God wants me to live a full life. And those are what you might call the works of Jesus. There's the works of the enemy. And then there's the works of God in our life. All right? And they're, they're opposing forces, and we get caught up in the middle of those sometimes, but it doesn't matter because God is victorious. He is victorious. We sang it. He's never lost a battle. God has never lost a battle. Hey, I want to join his side. If he's the one that's always going to win, I want to be on his side. I don't want to be on the losing side. So how did God use Paul to deliver this slave girl from this demonic possession? Well, Here's some thoughts. First of all, God wanted that girl to be set free. We look at our loved one, we, like, we might look at a child, a grandchild, a friend, a spouse, and say, God, I want them to be set free. Well, guess what? God wants them to be set free even more than you do. He wants them to have a fulfilled life more than you do. And so instead of coming at it from my personal desire, God, this is what I want you to do. I want to come to God and say, God, I know that's what you want to do. You see, and that builds a whole lot more faith because you're going based off of God's desire versus your desire. So many times we think we got to wrestle with God. we got to pull the answer out of God. we got to push God into action. That's baloney. God's already in action He's already taking the initiative in people's life. All we got to do is we got to go join God in his work in doing what he's doing. That's why the Bible says we're co-labors with God. We work with God. We don't work against God. We're working with God. And so God himself wanted this girl to be set free. And in fact, look at this in 1 John 3, 8. It says, the reason the Son of God appeared was in fact to destroy all the works of the devil. That's why Jesus came to this earth. And all you have to do is read through those first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you'll see over and over again, Jesus healed. Jesus delivered people. Jesus restored people. God, he, he made the eye, you know, blinded people see, deaf people hear, lame people walk, people who were demon-possessed set free. That was the works of Jesus to counteract and undo all the works of the enemy. That's why Jesus appeared. And guess what? He's recruiting you to do the same thing. You're at a recruiting station right now. And it's not the Marines. It's not the Army. It's not. No, no, no. It's a spiritual recruiter. It's God himself saying, would you come and join me in my work to go undo all the works of the enemy in people's lives? He wants you to do it. And he wants you to have a massive influence in this world. 
He wants you to set thousands of people free. You don't have to be on a platform to do this. You can do this one at a time. You can do this on your knees as you pray for people. God is going to answer your prayers. And the minute it comes into your mind, oh, that's impossible. So-and-so is an impossible case. That's a perfect case for Jesus because he specializes in impossible cases. Look at yourself. I look at me. I was impossible, and God overcame this impossibility. He can overcome any impossibility. So God wanted that, that girl set free. Here's the next thing that we can find from this is Paul was focused, was focused more on what he could do for God instead of what God could do for him. You know, President Kennedy was not the most perfect president in the world, right? But he said something that will stick with me the rest of my life is don't ask what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. And God's telling us the same thing. Would you cut it out and stop getting up every morning and asking for me, 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 and start first thing in the morning and say, God, what can I do for you today? What can I do for you this morning? I'll tell you what, as soon as you start living that way, asking that way, your perspective is going to change. You're going to start seeing, hey, I'm going to get on his, I'm going to get on his path instead of trying to always get God on my path. But Paul was focused, and you can see that. That's why I read that whole set of scriptures starting in verse 6 of Acts 16. As you can see, Paul's mentality was, God, what do you want me to do for you today? Man, I tell you, I've been practicing this. Because as I wrote this, the last thing I want to do is write something and tell you something I'm not doing myself, man. It's, you know what? I'm waking up every morning. I'm saying, God, what can I do for you today? And it's changing my perspective. It's changing the way that I think. It's getting my eyes off of myself and onto God's purposes. You can see this just as an example in Acts 16, 9, which we already read. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia standing and begging him, come over here to Macedonia and help us. Paul was thinking about what God wanted, not what Paul wanted. That's a big difference. That will help you start being used of God to see people set free when you stop thinking about yourself so much. Here's the next thing. Paul lived and operated under the authority of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, he himself was given authority from God. All right. He lived under God's authority and God said, okay, you live under my authority. I'm going to give you authority now to do the things that I want you to do. There was a centurion, a Roman centurion that sent his servant to Jesus when Jesus was still on earth. Sent his servant to Jesus and said, Jesus, uh, just speak the word and my servant will be healed. You see, his, his servant was sick, I guess, close to death. And... He, he said, just say the word, Jesus, and the sickness will come under your authority, the authority of your word, and it'll have to leave. And, and so the centurion said this. He said, for I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell one, go, and he goes. Then that one to come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. And see, and then Jesus went on and said, I haven't found faith like this anywhere. (laughs) This is crazy faith. But that centurion understood, I need to place myself under God's authority. Because then God is going to delegate his authority to me and trust me with his authority to see that other people are set free as well. 
Let me tell you what, if you follow Jesus, if you're a true disciple of Jesus, you will be able to speak in the name of Jesus and things are going to happen when you speak because you carry a weightiness. The glory of God is, is the weightiness of God and he delegates that weightiness to you and you can start moving mountains here on earth. First, it's let's get old self out of the way though. Let's get selfish self out of the way, the fleshly self out of the way, and let's start serving God the way that he's called us to serve him. Coming under his authority, God will delegate his authority to us. So here's the next thing that I get from this. Isn't this good? It's practical. It's useful. You can take this and you can use this this week to be used of God, to begin to see people set free. But I'll tell you, start with yourself first. Don't worry about your brother, your sister, your kids too much. Get yourself set free first. Amen. And then you can start working on other people for God's glory. But Paul exercised that delegated power from God to, and, uh, to use the name of Jesus to deliver. Look at this in Acts 16, 18. We read this uh, this morning as part of this, this story here. It says, Paul said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And I tell you what, over the last several weeks, you've heard me say some things about it already, but over the last several weeks, I've been using the name of Jesus to get rid of problems, thoughts, worries, anxieties in my mind. I get some negative cloud coming over my thoughts and mind. I say, in the name of Jesus, negative thought, get away from me. And it goes away. Why? Because there's power in the name of Jesus. We find in, I think it was Philippians, I've been just there just accidentally, but we're going to use it for next, next week. Jesus was given a name above all names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. It's, the Bible says, in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. <laughs> at the name of Jesus, every attitude, every conflict that you might have, you say, in the name of Jesus, you come under the authority. This situation comes under the authority of Jesus Christ. You try it this week. Don't wait until you feel like doing it. Do this when you don't feel like doing it. Because a lot of times our feelings deceive us. We say, you know what, in the name of Jesus, this feeling, get away from me. <laughs> I'm not going to have anything to do with this. this. I'm not falling prey to the situation. I'm not a victim to the situation. In the name of Jesus. Oh, praise God. I like to just say the name of Jesus. Jesus, I love you. Jesus. Jesus. Praise the Lord. Well, we see how the Apostle Paul used this for deliverance of this young lady. In Luke 9, verses 1 through 2, Jesus calls the 12, his, his 12 disciples together, and he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure the diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Who did Jesus give authority to? To everybody? No, just the 12. What was it about the 12? Were they special? No, they were fishermen. They were, some of them, outcasts. Some of them were, you know, could have been thrown in, in prison for being zealots, for being, you know, crazy uh, revolutionary type of people. They were not special people. The difference was they followed Jesus no matter where he went. So you don't have to be special. 
You don't have to be super talented. You don't have to be articulate or gifted or any. You just follow Jesus and Jesus says, all right, you're following me. I'm going to give you authority in this life. I'm going to give you authority. So I don't know about you. I'm thinking I want to follow Jesus. And I've thought about this many times. You know, Jesus had the 12 and then he had three. You think Jesus had favorites? It kind of looks like it. Then he had the three. This is, let's see, Peter, James, and John. And then John was the one that Jesus loved. It would seem that either Peter or John maybe was really, really close to Jesus. And I can just pick, see Jesus, you know, he's healing somebody over here. And here's Peter right here and James and John. And, you know, Jesus takes a step back and he's tripping over one guy and tripping over another. He's give me a little bit of space here. You know, he goes over to heal somebody else. Boom. There's the three guys all over him again. All right. You can be that close to Jesus. Be curious about what he's doing. Be close to what he's doing. Be interested in the works of God. Be close to him. And he'll say, you know what? You're so close to me. Here's some authority for your life. Here's some, here's some power that you can overcome the enemy in your life. You say, well, Steve, I don't have any authority. How close are you to Jesus? How close are you? The Bible talks about being so close to God that his shadow falls over you. In Psalms 91, there's another place in the Bible that talks about being in the, in, in Revelations, in the shadow of his throne. Praise God. I want to be that close to God that his shadow covers me. I'll tell you what, the farther you are away from God, the more dangerous it gets. You can fall into all kinds of garbage, all kinds of thoughts, all kinds of habits, addictions. Get close to Jesus and you're going to be free. You're going to be free as a bird. How do you get close to Jesus? Read your, your Bible. Amen. Talk to God throughout the day. Come to church. <laughs> we have church tonight at 6 o'clock. We have church. and To say have church, that's terrible. We come together as a group and meet. And that is the church. On Wednesday nights at 6 and you can be discipled. You can grow in the things of God. All right? Do what you've got to do to get close to God. He's done 99.999%. Now you just do your little part. Do your little part. It's been impressed on me lately. Man, Steve, you've got to do your part. <laughs> I've done everything. Come on, just do your little part. You know? Try. Try a little bit harder. You know? Try in his strength. Don't try in your own strength, but try. Give it your best shot. So anyways, he gave them authority because they were close to him. John 14, 13, he says, Jesus says, hey, whatever you ask for in my name, I'm going to do it so that the Father is glorified through the Son. Well, if, if I'm walking close to Jesus, I'm not going to ask for a Ferrari. I'm not going to ask for a super big, huge, you know, mansion. I'm going to ask for what God wants. I'm going to be in tune for, with, with, with what God wants. And so that's, that's pretty trusting on God's part to say, hey, you know what? If you ask for anything in my name, I'm going to give it to you to bring glory to God. But we know that it's those people that are asking for the will of God. And we know when you're praying for that child that's not serving God or you're praying for that friend that's sick, it's God's will to do it. It's God's will to do it. All right. Last couple of things here. Here's one. Paul got annoyed. What, what does it take to, to get delivered? You get sick and tired of being sick and tired. <laughs> Say, I'm sick of it. 
I'm not going to put up with this anymore, you know? And with God's help, we're going to get set free, Amen. right? He got annoyed and he did something about it. We need to get tired of the spiritual harassment, you know, that, that comes over us. Instead of cowering in fear, we need to get annoyed. So I challenge you this week to get a little bit annoyed with your anxieties, with your worries, with your impossibilities, and start exercising the name of Jesus and say, in the name of Jesus, I want to be set free of this, you know, this attitude, whatever it is, whatever you're going through. Get annoyed. Next, Paul prayed the way that you should play the bagpipes. I think I misspelled this, bagpipe. Bagpipes. I've, I've said this one before. Maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't, but somebody who's playing the bagpipes, a lot of times they're playing and they're not blowing into the little pipe that feeds into the little bag over here. They take a break and they just, they press on the bag and they're just playing. They've saved up enough breath to be able to, to play, all right? We need to go to God before there's problems. <laughs> we need to go to God regularly enjoy talking to him before you have some major crisis in your life. Go to God every morning. Go to God every evening. Go to God at lunchtime. Go to God whenever you can make a little bit of time and enjoy his presence. Fill your bagpipe before you need to play. Does that make sense? Get close to God before you have a major problem so that when the problem comes, you can speak to it in the name of Jesus, get away. But when the problem comes, you're all empty. You're blowing, trying to get more breath into it, you know, so that something can happen. That's not how God wants you to operate. He wants you to be full of God before the problem comes. Then you can have that faith. And that's exactly Paul. We see here in Acts 16, 13, and 16, they were trying to find a place of prayer. And then another place, they were going to the place of prayer. They were going before there was trouble. And that's how you and I need to be. God is not a genie. He's not waiting for you to just rub the bottle and he pops out, he helps you. And then when you don't need him, you put the, the little thing away until the, you know, the next rainy day. No, God wants to be with you day and night. He wants to be your closest friend day and night, night and day. You and God, you're like this. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Can you say that to God? God, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Make up your mind once and for all like Joshua did. He said, you know what? As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. We're going to be serious the rest of our days. I've given some horrible advice in the past. <laughs> I've told people, hey, if all you can do is give your heart to Jesus for today, then just do it. And then you can give your heart to Jesus again tomorrow. And then, I think that's bad advice. I think you've got to go to God and say, I'm making up my mind the rest of my life. I'm going to follow you. And that's going to require your help, God. I can't do it on my own. But you know what? I'm going to follow you the rest of my days. Those kind of decisions are tough decisions. But you know what? You can do it. You can stay strong in Christ Jesus the rest of your life. You can do it. It's doable. It's tough. It's challenging. But with his help, you can do it. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Amen. That's the key. He's the one that gives you strength. So find enjoyment in prayer. And last two are these. 
He didn't fight with the visible. He dealt with the spiritual. This is Paul. So check this out. This girl's following him. He didn't turn around and say, hey, it's time for you to shut up. (laughs) He didn't do that. He He didn't say, you know what? Stop following us. You're bugging me. He didn't do that. That would have been dealing with things in the physical. Instead, he said, in the name of Jesus, I command you. He wasn't even talking to the girl. He was talking to the spirit in the girl. He said, I command you to come out of her. He dealt with spiritual things in spiritual ways. And I'm telling you what, we look at you know, a situation where you know, a child is addicted or you know, that a friend is ruining their life, and we say, when are they going to get a grip? Guess what? They're never going to get a grip. That's the point. <laughs> the point is we need God to intervene in their life and pull that yucky thing out of them that's in them. Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it is a demonic spirit. Pull it out of them so that they can make an informed decision about Jesus. Right now, they can't make any decisions. They're, they're oppressed. They're tied down. They're in jail. They're in spiritual prison. They can't get out. They need you and me to pray in the name of Jesus, open prison doors so that they can come out and God can get a hold of their life. That's the part that we play. So stop dealing with things in a physical way. That person isn't going to change on their own. Even though we look at them, we say, come on. I mean, look, just change the X, Y, and Z, and you'll be fine. If they could do it, they would have done it already. (laughs) But they can't do it. They need you to get down on your knees and start saying, in the name of Jesus, I command that that person be set free. And God's going to do it. He's delegated. You need to be a disciple of Jesus first, though. Remember that. You're, You're following Jesus. You've set self aside. You're doing what God wants you to do. And God's going to delegate that authority, and you're going to start seeing people set free, starting with yourself first. Lastly, deliverance happened at the right time. (laughs) Deliverance happened at the right time. You know, Jesus said this, any time is good for you. (laughs) But there's certain times that God is established by his own sovereignty, his own will, and they happen when God says it's time for us to ha- it's time for it to happen. There's two Greek words used for time in the New Testament. One is chronos, and the other one, probably going to butcher it again, is uh, kairos, kairos, spelled with a K. And chronos has to do with the, the space of time or the passing of time. The way that you and I would look at our watch, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's uh, almost 12 o'clock here, 20 till 12. That's chronos. But Kairos is, it has a different vibe to it. It's a significant moment. It's a fitting season. It's an opportunity. Literally, that's, that's one of the Greek translations is opportunity. I love that word. I love it whenever think there's going to be an opportunity. And when opportunity walks by, I'm going to reach out and grab opportunity. And I'm going to make it mine. That's that kind of time. Kairos. The right moment, a favorable moment, an appointed time. And guess what? That day, that time was the appointed time for that slave girl to be delivered. And you have an appointed time, an opportunity when Jesus is walking by and says, you can be free right now if you'll just believe. If you'll just have faith in me, I'll set you free right now. There's an appointed time. 
in Chronicles 12.32, it speaks of, of, of this, this tribe, the men of Issachar. They understood the times and knew what Israel should do. You and me, we need to be more in tune with what time it is. What is God wanting to do right now and focusing and joining God in that work right now? We're always about, God, I have, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. These are the things that I want you to do today. And God says, well, it's not right time yet. Sorry. (laughs) It's not going to happen. All right. But item J down here at this list, I do want to do today. And so we should wake up every morning and say, God, what do you want to do today? What is your timing for this day? And let's get it done, God. I want to be on the same page with you. I want to be synced up with you. So these men of Issachar, they understood the times and they knew what they needed to do. God, help us that we would be that same way, that we would understand the times. I'll end with a scripture, 2 Corinthians 6, 2. For he says, this is, in fact, this is the Apostle Paul quoting an Old Testament scripture. He says, for in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. And then the Apostle Paul says this in this scripture. He says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. There's certain things that it's always time for. And one of those things is salvation. Right now, right here, right now is the time. <laughs> God makes it that time. We're in, the, we're in a season of salvation. We're in a season of God's favor in our lives. And you can access that right now simply by faith in Jesus and saying, Jesus, I accept your salvation right now. I accept your rescue right now. I'm ready, God. If you're ready, I'm ready. And God says, I'm ready. I'm ready. Can you bow your heads with me? We're going to spend just a few minutes here. That You know, what a waste it would be if I said all of these things. I spoke to you what God has laid on my heart this morning, and then we didn't do something about it. That'd be tragic. That'd be wasteful. But I don't want to be wasteful. <laughs> I don't want any tragedy this morning. There's some folks today, it's your appointed time today. And I, I believe even, you know, it's not my words, that the Holy Spirit is coming and gripping your heart. And you're saying, God, I want that freedom. I want that deliverance. I'm, I'm annoyed. <laughs> I'm tired. I want, I want what God has for me today. If that's you, I want you to stand up and come right up to these altars. I want to pray for you. Don't delay. Don't stop. Don't think about it. Come up and receive the favor of God right here, right now. You might be coming up for somebody else. You may not even be coming up for yourself. You say, you know what? There's my child, my grandchild, my friend, my spouse. They need deliverance, and I want it today. God has an appointed time for you right now. Right now. Don't hold back. Don't delay. Come up. Come up and receive what God asks for you. Come up. Lord Jesus, God, we're standing here in solidarity. Lord God, in in unity. Lord Jesus saying, God, I want some of what you've been talking about this morning. I want some of what the word says of deliverance, of freedom. Heavenly Father, Lord, right now all we do is we open up our hearts. 
like we would a, a, a cup that has a cap on it. We take the cap off. We raise up the cup and we say, God, give me some of whatever you've got. <laughs> Lord God, I, I need some peace. Lord, please pour out some delivering peace into my heart, Lord God. Lord, you see, I've been worried sick about this situation, about this person. Lord, I take the cap off. Lord, the defensiveness off, Lord God, the dullness off, Lord Jesus, the self-reliance uh, off. I'm pulling all of that off, Lord. I'm raising my cup, Lord Jesus. God, help me in this situation. God, help me with this person, Jesus. Lord, you see the situation. I can't control it. I've tried to. I've tried to fix it, and I can't do it, Lord. I need your help. I need your deliverance, Lord Jesus, in my life. I need your deliverance in their life, Lord God. Lord, I'm standing here on behalf of that person, Lord God. Today I pray that you would open the prison doors of their life, Lord God. I pray that the strong man would be bound, as the Bible speaks of demons as strong men, that the, the strong man would be bound. Oh, Heavenly Father, that, that, that a, a, a ray of light would enter into that prison cell of their lives, Lord Jesus. God, that a, a glimmer of hope, Lord Jesus, would come to them. Lord, that the blindness would be taken away from their eyes. God, that the deafness would be taken away from their ears, Jesus. And God, that they would come out of that that prison cell to you, oh Lord God. Lord, that they'd begin to, to experience deliverance, that they'd begin to experience salvation, oh Lord Jesus, a renewed mind, oh Lord God. Heavenly fathers, Lord, heavenly thoughts would begin to enter into their minds and their hearts, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you talk to God for yourself right now? Can you lift up your hands and start crying out for deliverance, for salvation? If it's for yourself, so be it. If it's for someone else, so be it. Right now, just start calling out to the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. We cry out to the name of Jesus.